everyone, and welcome to our podcast today. I'm Edie Tolbert. And I'm Jennifer Edwards. And we are Business Besties. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Edie Tolbert and Jennifer Edwards. We're so glad that you are back this week. And this week, we are going to talk about, we're actually going to share a couple of stories with you. We've been talking about Jennifer as a fractional CFO, and we've been talking about um, uh, how I feel like my next step, we talked about steps last week, is um, educating people on uh, the steps that you actually walk through for breast cancer. So my story, I wanted to share with you, I had mentioned that I was involved in um, talking to legislators about the passing of House Bill 3504, which provides healthcare benefits for women that are going for their 3D or digital mammogram. So this process was, um, the bill was already written. They um, had already passed the bill unanimously in the House in the state of Oklahoma. And then it was on the floor in the Senate, and there were probably five senators that were going to vote no because of the way, they, it goes through votes like I don't even know how many times. But anyway, this representative reached out to me and asked me if I would help contact the senators and if there she wanted me to look at the appropriations committee members and if there was anybody on there that I felt led to reach out to to do that as well just to make sure that they know why um why I supported it and of course I did support it because the mammogram was mm-hmm. what caught my my um cancer early stage 0 so um anyway was involved in that and then as I talked to my senator, I was explaining to him how when I go for my mammogram, the same machine that does the what they call the 2D screening, that's number two, D is in dog, digital screening, the same machine does the 2D as does the 3D. And so me asking the question to him is why, why does a patient have to pay for both? Um, if we're if we're trying to catch this early, because the earlier you'd catch it, the better the treatment, the better survival rate. We're going to save lives, and he agreed with that. And so, um, of course, the bill passed. It was an election year last year, and so I reached out to the senator, and I after the election, I said, "Now that things have calmed down, is there a good time for us to meet so that we could talk about the you know this two D three D situation." So he invited me to um, come to the Capitol, have a conversation. I went to the Capitol. We had a conversation. There was another person there that does the actual legislative writing of the bill. Explained to them what my opinion was on it. I just felt like a 2D was a waste of time for those. You know, if a 3D is more effective, if it's the actual test that detects the cancer, um, why were we having to do both? And so they felt like it was going to be a, a, a shoe win. They felt like they could take House Bill 3504. They could scratch the 2D language and just have 3D language in there. And it would be easy because I even asked. It was like a 30-minute meeting. And I said, is this the way this always works? Because I thought we were like going to sit down at a table with a bunch of books with history <laughs> and research in them. And we were going to have to walk through all of that. And they were like, well, this just seems really simple because... If you're saving the insurance company money and the medical, you know, they felt like the pushback would come from the medical medical side of it. 
And so he had some, he sat on a couple of healthcare boards. He had some really good contacts at some health facilities here in Tulsa. And um, so they, you know, we're going to reach out to them and, you know, pitch it to them and see what their thoughts were. And I got, I don't know, I don't know, I think it was a couple of weeks later. I mean, it was really fast. Yeah, it was pretty quick. Um, I got an email from his assistant that asked me to give him a call or give her a call. And so I called her. And she told me that they weren't going to be able to push the bill through this yet because um, it wasn't FDA approved. And what was not FDA? The 3D was not FDA approved. And I can't remember the other reason. It had something to do with standard of care. Standard of care. Something about the standard of care. And so I called, you know, I said, well, how is it not FDA? I, I just said, okay. Because I thought to myself, how can we be doing 3D mammograms if they haven't if been FDA, FDA approved? approved? Yeah, that seems odd. So before I pushed back on that, I wanted to do some research. So yeah. I you know, pulled out my iPad that night and started doing some research. And it did show that in like 1990 or something like that, that the it had been FDA approved. And so I sent her an email and I said, I'm not sure where this is, what they're saying specifically, I'd like to speak to the girl that did the research. I want to know verbatim what was said and why they're not going to move forward with it. And so then it was... Just a, FYI, don't mess with Edie. <laughs> not when you're talking something so near and dear to my heart that makes no sense whatsoever. So the reason that it did not move forward on it is because the language says that the 3D has been FDA approved but not as a standalone test. It has to be in conjunction with the 2D. The language comes from standard of care. Standard of care is developed by medical professionals. It's this whole community, uh, whole committee of physicians, radiologists, uh, medical experts, researchers, all these people, and they vote on it once a year. I think I mentioned that before. And their standard of care is you do a 2D, 3D, and a 3D cannot stand alone by itself. But my pushback on that is, and I haven't, I'm working on this, but a 2D can't do it standalone either because a 2D doesn't tell you. It just says, oh, wait, that doesn't look like a part of the boob. Right. We need to have that checked out. And then right. you go for the 3D. Right. To which deter- does tell. Which does tell you whether it's dense t- tissue, dense breast right. tissue, or calcifications. Right. That's the one that's effective. Yeah. And so, um, so my next step is how do I, how do we change, how do I, how do we change standard of care? How does that work? Mm-hmm. And so I just want to share that all with you because we've talked about over the last three weeks about steps and how everything is in a, is a mm-hmm. step and you can't get ahead of yourself. I mean, I could go ballistic on this. I could totally make all <laughs> kinds of phone calls, but you know, I have to, I have to take a breath. Yeah process Mm -hmm. what I found and then ask questions. It doesn't hurt to ask questions. I'm not afraid. I mean, just like they came back to me and said, it's not FDA approved. And even the assistant said, I did the same thing you did. I just Googled, is the 3D mammogram FDA approved? And it clearly says, yes, it is. So we had to go back and get the specific language Mm -hmm. that it's not FDA approved by itself. You have to have a 2D before a 3D, mm-hmm. but if the 3D is more effective, that's the next question. If the 3D is more effective and it 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 actually tells you that it's dense breast tissue or it's calcifications, 
why are we why right. do we even have to go for a 2D? Well, and why if 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 it is a standalone yeah. Why was I able to walk into exactly. my facility and say, I want 3D? That might be the standard of care. That might be the way the insurance pays, but it's not true standard of care, is it? Right. It's just like, right. it's like I've heard people that have gone in for a cancer diagnosis and the doctor says, okay, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And they say, why? Because that's the protocol. That's the standard of care. Mm-hmm. But Why? why? <laughs> <laughs> why am why am I getting that type of chemo? What yeah. is that going to do? Yeah. You don't just take I mean, I try I'm I want to trust the healthcare industry. I want but they're going to have to explain to me. Sure. Explain to whoever. Yeah. I mean, okay, so what does that chemo do? What does that radiation do? And right. what does what does that medication do? Mm-hmm. If you're taking medication for high blood pressure, what is that going to do? Right. You have the right to ask those questions, and a lot of times we don't. We just take it for granted. They're the healthcare professional. They know what they're doing, and they do. Yeah. But sometimes the protocol is so standard. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just... trying to choose my words really carefully here. Well, you think about that, and okay. I'm going to say this. They have so many patients, they don't have time to stop and think right. about it. This right. is why the protocol mm-hmm. is put in place mm-hmm. so that there's something that has been proven that they can right. just do over and over and over again. And right. then if it doesn't work, now we have to do right. something else. But we're right. going to put everybody on the same thing to begin with. Right. Right. So, so my ne- my ne- like I said, my next step is to challenge um, the legislators, the medical community, um, the insurance providers, you know, why Why are we having to pay for two mammograms when one clearly is... And there is even legitimate research studies that have been done and are being conducted right now to weed out whether a 2D or a 3D is more effective and why are we doing both. Mm-hmm. So I know it's... And I, and I provided that information to the senator and um, he, he sees it, but it's a matter of... You know, and, and somebody said, well, it sounds like you need a lobbyist. And I was like... What are those and how much do those cost? <laughs> I mean, I know what a lobbyist is. I know yeah. they're out there and they're yeah. they're they they're paid by the oil and gas people, the mm-hmm. insurance people, the medical people. I know mm-hmm. that. But um when we're talking about saving lives, mm-hmm. right. What do we need to do? Cuz this is what it boils down to is lives. Yeah. Not money, not convincing, no. not we have this better machine medical community, so we're no. going to push this through. Or mm-hmm. insurance, we don't want to have to pay for that, so we're going to get a lobbyist to keep that from going through. Right. You know, I mean, it's we're talking about lives here. Right. And it, all of those other things, money and influence mm-hmm. and all that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter if you're talking about saving one life. Right. And, and, and in the, in, amongst all of this, I found out that there is a – shoot, I should have pulled this out first. I'm, rest, I'm going to be moving some papers here. Hold on. Did you know? Oh, it's in this one. Hold on. She's got just volumes of paper and notes. Did and- you know <laughs> that in 1992, there was a Mammography Quality Standards Act passed by the legislation? And it says to ensure, and this, this is, I didn't write down everything, to ensure all women have access to quality mammography for detection of breast cancer in its early most treatable stages. So my challenge is, is the 2D and the 3D doing this? Right. Yeah. That's my challenge. Y'all, Edie is on it. So. 
Nice. There you have it. That's her story. And that's, if you guys heard any part of that, that you may know something or Mm -hmm. know somebody Mm -hmm. or can help Edie push this through. Right. And she would be just as fine if, if, if an answer came up that said, here's why a 2D Uh is imperative. Then she'd be fine. Right. But no one can prove that to her. No. And, and until they do, she's going to be no. like a bulldog. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 so. I, 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 that's all. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So what about you? What's, tell us your story. So the story that I have today is about um, the business owner who is li- thinking about how, how, what is my exit strategy? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do at the point that I want to do it to exit this business mm-hmm. and be able to get as much money out of it as I possibly can? Right. And, um, so I have spoken to lots of people about this. And one of the things that you have to be thinking about is your financials. Imagine that. And, and this is not the truth for every single scenario. I'm going to give you this information and it could change with every buyer is going to be a different buyer. But here's a very, very generic way of thinking about this. If you want to sell your business, you have to think about the buyer. Right. So there are certain things that the buyer will be looking for. They're going to be looking to see if your company makes a profit and that that profit is sustainable, mm-hmm. right? So three years is a typical look back. They could ask for more. They could ask for less. It really depends on who's buying your business. But three years is, is a good a good stable number of years to think about making sure that you have made a profit. And this gets a little wiry because every business owner knows that if they make a profit, they're going to pay taxes, taxes on that. Mm-hmm. And so they will sometimes, you know, they'll know exactly how much revenue and, you know, if they know their business, they know how much revenue that they need to bring in to make money and they don't want to go too far over that. And so they can literally just not take as much work or whatever the scenario is, not sell as much to keep from paying taxes because they know they're going to send it in. But you have to think if I'm five years, three years or whatever away from wanting to sell this business... What does that need to look like? Right. And so you need to have some tax strategies in place. And I highly suggest that you have a tax strategist, not just a CPA, but a CPA who is a tax strategist. Okay. And I, we, in fact, you all can go back and listen to our, I think it's one of our most listened to mm-hmm. um, podcasts with Casey Nelson. Right. And she not only does Clifton's, but she is an excellent tax strategist. Yeah. And, you know, you can hop on a Zoom with her and get some answers. But if you want to sell the business... Be thinking about it three to five years from the time that you want to sell. So you are going to have to be thinking a little bit ahead. Mm-hmm. So I have a client who's definitely wanting, he's in that place now where he's thinking about it. And so we're looking at the balance sheet and we're looking at the income statement. And we're looking at the other thing that you have to look at is if a, if an owner is going to buy your business, they need to not only know the business itself is profitable, they also have to know that you take enough out of it for yourself and right. pay yourself a nice salary that they can step in and do the right. same thing. Right. So if you're one of those cheap people who lives 
miserly and you hardly pay yourself anything, you're not doing yourself any right. favors. Right. Not only are you not putting enough back in your retirement, but you're also not doing your business any good because then when, you know, the potential buyer looks at it and sees that you, you know, paid yourself $45,000 last year, they're like, well, why am I going to, yeah. why do I, want I can to take go all work that risk? quick trip and make that much and <laughs> yeah. not have to take all yes. the risk. Exactly. Yeah. What's the benefit of being an owner? Well, right. Yeah. And so, it's important that you are looking at all of those things from the perspective of a potential buyer. And then um, not having too much debt. So if you're looking at selling, you're going to want to get your debt paid down, your business debt and personal debt as well, obviously. Um, but you're going to want to get that paid down so that you can um, walk away with the most amount of money. Right. And so um, then the other thing that you, that this person I'm I'm helping is that, if you are the main person in the business, you really don't have much to sell. And that's a hard thing for people to hear. Yeah. But unless you want to stay on, which is typically not the pur- the purpose of it, mm-hmm. unless you want to stay on and go with the sale of the business, which I'll just throw out there that typically there is a two-year golden handcuff um, contract contractual requirement that you have to be there for two years to do the transition. But past that, you would not have to stay. But if you are the face of the business, that means you have to remain the face of the business. So you've got to start building a management team where you are not the face of the business. And if your name of your business is Joe Smith Painting or whatever, Mm -hmm. you're going to want to change the name of your business as well. You're going to want to transition out of that. You don't actually have to go and change the whole thing, but you could do a trade name. Trade name. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And start gradually moving your business over to that trade name so that when the buyer buys it, it's 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 known for the trade name instead of your name. Right. So those are some of the things that you would want to think about because as I have a client who's wanted, who's starting to look to that end, these are all the things. Mm-hmm. This is not all of it. This mm-hmm. is a short list of the right. things that right. we have to be thinking about in order to make sure that his business is is marketable. Right. And so getting that management team in place, um, making sure that if your company name is your name, getting a trade name and starting to transition that over, um, making sure that those, those financial statements are looking real good. Mm -hmm. And I mean, look at them. Like, would you buy that business? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, what are you taking out of that business? Are you making it something that another buyer would want to step into? Right. And then, you know, those are just some of the, those are the most basic of steps, but that's all, those are all things I am helping one of my clients with right now. And we've got a three to five year plan. Of course, preferably it would be three for him. Right. Um, but he's got some other things going on that are some, um, we're trying to work on some passive income type things that he can do now mm-hmm. and then don't go with the sale of the company. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. and that's completely legal. We're not doing anything yeah. that wouldn't be legal. He can keep a piece of that right. and, and continue to get some passive income off of um, some of the things that he's working on. So I just need you guys to understand <clears throat> if you, I need you to, <clears throat> excuse me. I need you to go back and listen to the um, podcast from February, the first one, the first one for February, probably the third, second, second or third. Yeah where Jennifer talks about what she does as a fractional CFO. And then after listening to this story, there is more to what she does than, and there's still more. There's still a whole lot more. She has just given you the highlight reel, for real. And so 
this is something if you are a business owner and you are approaching that age, whatever that age is, and that you feel like within the next three to five years yeah. or even 10 years at that point. Shoot, yeah. That gives you way more runway room. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This is something, this is why you would want to hire Jennifer to come in and start helping you with that plan, get it in place so that when the time comes, you are looking really good. Yep. In order to sell your business. Because listen, we all don't want to be in business all of our lives, right? No. (laughs) The point is is to at some point be able to sell it. And you want to be able to get the most amount. Premium price. You can. Yeah. And the... The, the like I said, there's lots of factors that determine yeah. how much somebody will pay you, and it's sometimes three. I don't even. I don't even want to. I don't want to even throw it out there because there's so many different ways to right. look at it, and there it gets super technical. Things I yeah. barely know enough about, and if I talk about it, I'll be wrong. So, yeah. but it's it 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 is a look back. I mean, yeah. it, it is what does this look like, and can an owner make the investment to buy your company? Um, service the debt that it right. will require for them to do that. Right. Like in other words, the the loan payment and pay themselves well. Right. And is it sustainable? I mean these yeah. are all things that you have to look at if you are in that place. And yeah, ten years is not too early to be looking at that that possibility. No, not at all. Don't freak out. Don't be fearful. Second Timothy one two no seven? one seven maybe Second Timothy one seven maybe I, I don't know my phone is recording so yeah, I can't look do it not, up. But. Do not be afraid. I mean these are things that as a business owner you should be considering. Yeah. And so. it's really hard as a as an entrepreneur who builds their their business. Yeah, it becomes their baby. Yeah, it becomes their little baby yeah. that they absolutely can't even imagine yeah. what it would feel exactly. like to, to let, sell, sell it. it to somebody else but the reality is <clears throat> yeah here are your two options and mm-hmm. this is going to hurt a little bit it's good this is going to hurt somebody's heart out there you either just shut it down yeah and sell off your equipment mm-hmm. or your building or whatever mm-hmm. assets you whatever have. you have mm-hmm. that's option number one mm-hmm. or you build it to sell right and the option is yours yep and one or the you, other. You may as well, with all the risk and the heartache and the blood, sweat, and tears, mm-hmm. you may as well build it to sell. That's right. And really, those are your, or you know, it, I won't say the other, but those are those are two of the options yes. that you have. Yes. To get out of your business. Yes. So exactly. Very good. Very good. All right. So that's it for this episode. So do we have a celebration? I do have a celebration. Go for it. I am so excited. I have one this time. Yay! <laughs> Uh, my celebration is that after a very long time of planning and putting it off and procrastinating and all those things, my website is finally updated. Yay! I know. That's been a thorn in your oh, side. Oh my gosh. So it sat there really in bad shape for a really long time and I finally forwarded it to my mastermind one because it was just so bad. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to not go somewhere, right. but I forwarded but that didn't make any sense because if somebody was looking for fractional CFO and right. they landed in a mastermind, mastermind yeah. that wasn't ideal. Yeah. So um, I finally made the decision that bizdirectionllc.com, it was getting a facelift. And the other thing that pushed me there was in my coaching program that I'm in, um, all my old pictures from before I lost 90 pounds yes. was on everything. Yes. And they said, we went and we saw and we didn't recognize. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> we yep. didn't know who that person was yep. and you have got to get your stuff updated. Yes. <laughs> so yes. that's what pushed me to get it done. But I'm so excited to say that that's it is awesome. finally done. That's awesome. Celebration. 
So my celebration is um, one of the things that the Lord prompted me to do last year was to write a devotional, um, oh. 100 Days of Hope. I absolutely could not be more excited about this. And so my goal for this year was to write 25 days each quarter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I'm excited to say I have four days done. Oh my gosh. Four days. Yes. So, I yes. Mean, here we are. I'm close. Well, got 21 to go, but <laughs> it's it's a start, right? Yes. I mean, it's it was hard to get the creative juices rolling oh, again. Yeah. yeah. But once I finally just you know, and I blocked out time, and I think, ooh, I don't have anything to write. So I, I, mm-mm. so you know I, what Annie F. Down says? What? That as a writer, that when you don't have the, the, inspiration to write, you sit down and you start writing. Uh-huh. Like it's not a choice. It's mm-hmm. not a you wait mm-hmm. for the inspiration. No, you set a time. Uh-huh. You sit down. And I'm preaching to the choir here yep. because I also mm-hmm. have to, some things to write, and I haven't been doing it. So, so it's back in my focus planner. I have scheduled time, and I scheduled time um, this morning, actually. I had two that I've had written for a while, but I sat down and wrote two today, and I thought, this is dumb. This is dumb. This is dumb. This is dumb. I just, and I, I didn't, I didn't even know what I was going to write, just like you said. I didn't, yeah. I mean, I had a couple of scriptures that mm-hmm. I had, I had read and thought, I had written them down and thought, I need to write something about this. And so I took those two scriptures and wrote a devotion for each one of them. So I've got oh four gosh. days done. I am. So excited. I'm actually really shocked that you're actually revealing mm-hmm. the, because the last time, your last book, there was no. Yeah, no, it you, was a total. It was, yeah. Big secret. This is, this is a, this is different. It's, um, it's a hundred days of hope. And, yeah. and I looked up hundred and hundred means uh, new beginnings, transformational. So that's oh. why, because I've seen a lot of writers do 100 days of this mm-hmm. and 100 days of that. And I thought, what's the big deal about 100? Mm-hmm. But it's like a habit. Mm. You go through 100 days of hope and mm-hmm. you will have hope mm. I love as it. you go through it. So. I can just see this being, I mean, I already know that if somebody I know and love mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. am, are acquainted with, mm-hmm. if they find out, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to want to send them this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's the first thing I'm yeah. going to do is get on Amazon and have it forwarded directly to, directly yep. to their house. Like. Yep. That is to me. That's the best gift I could mm-hmm. possibly give somebody. Yeah. So all those. I'm things. so proud of yeah. you. I'm so proud I'm of so you, excited. business bestie. <laughs> I'm so excited. So anyway, four days down. You got it. to go. Yeah. It's gonna go. Got about a month. <laughs> I just now realize it. It's all right. Get, better get writing. It is okay. It's gonna happen because yes, because you set that goal. Yeah. And yeah. then you'll get your book coach well, involved. I just had and to sit down. Just, yeah. I just had to sit down, and when I sat down, my intention was to do one, mm-hmm. and I got two, and I thought. This isn't so hard. I've got the scriptures. Mm-hmm. I just need to get it done. Yep. Keep writing. So that's that's it. Y'all, I'm so proud of my business bestie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. We'll be back here at the same time, same bat station, as they always say. And if you don't know what that means, I'm so sorry. You weren't a 70s kid. Um, but we will be back here next week with some more information on fractional CFO and education for breast cancer. It's all right. Thank you so much. See you soon. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Edie. And this is Jennifer. And we hope that we've inspired you to find your business bestie if you haven't already. Thank you.